This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins a national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Bob, we got you. You all right? How's it going? It's going okay. I hope this is a better connection. This is a 100% better connection. You sound loud and clear. You sound lovely. All right, terrific. Um, teleconference yesterday. Um, what did you hear from Sam Pittman that stood out to you? Well, uh, I have to admit I get on the teleconference because I was uh, covering Nolan Richardson speaking at the Hogsville Street or the Sports Club. So oh, you were. I, I, did, I, I did read what Sam said. And, um, like, uh, you know, they feel like things are, are going well with, with Kenny Guyton taking over as the offensive coordinator and, uh, you know, trying to get that, get the same sort of that spirit back on the offensive side of the ball. But, um, you know, time will tell, I guess, on that. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what else you'd expect Sam to say. I don't think he'd say things are going badly, you know, but. But, uh, you know, hopefully they're, they're trying to get things squared away there on offense. Yeah, I don't think there was any, like, news break. There was no news broken yesterday. No, like, new opinions as far as that stuff was concerned, Matt. I think it was pretty much the same stuff that we heard on, on Monday, just digested down a little bit about it. Yeah, when you're when you're two and six, it, it's tough. Uh, Bob, is there anything that, that you think they can salvage this season? Or, or what, what would be, I guess, for these last four games, anything successful? Well... Yeah, I, I, I still think there's time to salvage a season. I mean, there, there's four four games left, and I, I'm not saying they're going to sweep, but I think they're all winnable games. I mean, going to the Swamp will be really tough because, you know, Florida's, I think, playing better, and they're very good at home, and Arkansas has never won down there. And, uh, you know, Missouri looks like that's going to be a real tough game at the end of the season. But certainly, you know, and Auburn, you know, they, they're not having a better year, obviously, but it's still Auburn. He, he's a good coach. Um, the one game, you know, Florida National, you feel like they should win that. But those other SEC games are, are winnable. And so, I mean, they still have a bowl uh, game to play for. And, uh, you know, and people might say, well, if they lose to Florida, that's out the window. But I was thinking about this, you know, really, the coaches honestly are coaching for their jobs, and the players are playing for roster spots in the future. Now, whether that's, you know, shot to make an NFL roster, you know, get drafted or be a free agent. If they want to come back to Arkansas, they need to convince, you know, the coaches they deserve to be back. If they want to go in the transfer portal and either maybe move to a different team, they can get more playing time, or maybe they just are ready for them that they're worth recruiting. So to me, there's still a lot to play for. And also, you know, if this, if this staff gets retained, um, I don't know if there's a magic number of wins if they got to win six, five, four, whatever. But I think a lot of it is not just the, the record, but it's also the feeling. You know, like at the end of the season, you feel like they sort of righted the ship. We know they're playing good defense. They're playing pretty good special teams. But the offense has been the issue. If they can sort of right the ship on offense and build some momentum, I, I don't think Hunter Yearcheck, well, I know he doesn't want to make a coaching change. Uh, but if things don't get better, you know, <laughs> there's going to be a question about that at the end of the year. So, but I think you got to feel like the fans need to have hope that things are going to get better because once the fans check out, it's really hard to get them back. I mean, we've seen that with, you know, Danny Ford, who, you know, was, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but those back to back four and seven seasons kind of, kind of took it out. I think it took a lot out of Danny and took a lot out of fans. We know that certainly Ch- and Chad Morris lost the fan base. So, and I think, you know, Sam's, People, Sam's a guy people want to root for. They're, they're, you know, I think fans like a lot of things about Sam Pittman. They don't like a six-game losing streak. So I think it's not just winning, but maybe the, the, the mood of the program, did it build some momentum? You know, are people feeling positive about the future? I think that's very important, however this season ends. Bob, uh, when when you look at this Arkansas football team, who is the guy out there? Who Who is our guy that you're like, hey, this is our recruiters. These are the guys that can bring in our stars. You know, when you, you were talking about Houston Nutt, he, he could bring in some athletes. Uh, they're, they're having so much success with Dave Van Horn, uh, Coach Musselman. They're, they're going out and getting five stars and getting guys that can play. How come we, we don't have any athletes on offense? 
Well, I think there's some athletes there, but maybe not enough. I mean, obviously, Luke Haas, you know, he was a really good player for him and still will be, but he's hurt right now. I mean, Brockett Sanders is out. Um, you know, we, we see Isaiah Satana, you know, uh, obviously, K.J. Jefferson. I mean, you have to give Chad Morrison his staff press for, for guys like, like K.J., but um, I, I think Jimmy Smith is a really good recruiter. You know, Sam brought him in from Georgia. You know, Kenny or Jimmy had been a uh, you know a high level uh, high school coach in Georgia, and then an assistant there. At, I'm trying to remember if it was George, like you know, Pooh Paul and and uh, you know, Dominion. They, they have a lot of good players from Georgia. That Sam, and of course, Sam coached Georgia. I think Guidance, you know, regards a pretty good recruiter. Um, you know, but obviously they're going to have to go out there and, and get guys, not just high school guys, but but through the portal. You know, and sometimes that's about a playing time, about opportunity, maybe previous connections, and of course NIL money. You know, I saw Arkansas having a big NIL fundraiser with, with, with Justin Moore here next month, and we all know NIL money has become a very important, important component of, of college recruiting, and so they they need to keep uh, raising the level of, of their NIL uh, commitments. It really will be um, fascinating to see. I guess in the off season, we'll worry about it then. You know, as long as the coaching staff is kept, or 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 you know, if if Sam's still the head coach, you know, and defensively in the off season, Matt, they brought in literally an entire unit. Defense defense is sharp. Our best offensive player, Rockets hurt. Our best offensive player was a true freshman tight end. You know, like you're looking around, it's like where is the speed? Where are some athletes that are going to be able to be the playmakers and have explosive plays? And I just don't see them. Well, remember, I mean, you, you, you looked at who they brought in defensively, and they brought in enough defensive ends, enough defensive tackles, linebackers, nickelbacks, cornerbacks, safeties to literally put out an entire defensive unit. And that's one reason why, if not the major reason why, the defense has taken such a step forward this year. I would kind of expect you might see the same thing next year. Not like you're going to have, you know, one center, two guards, two tackles come in and all of that, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see more than 11 offensive players come into the portal. Well, one thing about the portal is, I mean, you know, say NIL, what's my kiddo show? NIL is very important in that. I'm not saying players always go to the highest bidder or the most money. It's just like when you take a job, you know, where it is, who it's with, uh, I'll figure into it. But we all know that the money is a really big part, too. You don't always take the job that pays you the most, but you're sure going to want to be paid, you know, competitively. And, um, and also guys want to see playing time opportunities, you know, um, and, or maybe they, they feel like they want to play in the SEC or whatever. So th- there's players to be out there and got I mean, one thing about having a, a, a down season on offenses, you know, um, and maybe this is a goofy way to look at it, but whether it's high school guys or portal guys, hey, there's opportunities here because we need help, you know, and that, you know, that, that should be a strong recruiting pitch. I was Coach Richardson yesterday. I do see you. I, I saw you wrote about him uh, and about his appearance. Uh, obviously, he's got some things. Uh, you know, he'll be he'll have opinions about uh, this Arkansas basketball team and about Mus. Yeah, I mean, no, he won. Now he's going to be eighty-two, I guess, in December. Um, I think it's December twenty-seventh. If people want to remember to wish him a happy birthday, he'll be eighty-two. But you know, he's still a real dynamic speaker. He still can hold a room. He's he doesn't pull punches. You know, he he tells the truth as he sees it, and uh, he was he's very entertaining. I think the crowd had a really good time. And uh, Matt Jones, you know, the other Matt, um, I guess the uh, the journalist Matt Jones did a nice job of interviewing him in, in a Q and A setting. And it's really fun. Yeah, he's definitely a big Eric Musselman fan, and he's not shy about saying how impressed he. Say he didn't really. He, I mean, I'm trying to remember how he put it. Basically, they were driving crazy to coach a day with the transfer portal and NIL. Um, but he praised how Eric's been able to to use, you know, the, the transfer as he's done so well here at Arkansas did previously at Nevada. But yeah, it was it was a very entertaining, you know, uh, lunch to lunch into listen to Coach Richardson, and it's it's always fun uh, to see him and catch up and. I think he's doing well uh, physically for somebody in their 80s. I certainly hope so. And 
Um, still talks about, still plays golf, you know, gets out there and gets on the golf course. It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Clay, how are you doing? Missed you. Yesterday. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Sorry about yesterday. I'm I'm, I'm glad you guys are for flexible. Well, I'm flexible. All right, I can touch my toes. You can still touch your toes too, right? Clay, now? any any time. You're you're always welcome, man. It's always good to have you, Clay. Yeah, and whatever yeah. day works. Yeah, whatever day's for you, man. Yeah, I did a little work yesterday. Some other. Some other stuff. I went and listened to Nolan talk at the Hawks Illustrated Sports Club. Always fun to listen to Nolan. And then I went to interview John Daly too. Well, that, uh, that does he have the same personality as his father? He is uh, is as different as his father as can be, except for one thing: both those guys can hold putts. I mean, okay. he is a great putter. If that's if there was one trait you would want to have handed down from your dad, if you're a great golfer, that'd be it. And he got it. He makes a lot of birdies. So you get the name, you get at least some of the talent. That's a lot of talent to try to live up to. Yeah, I, I asked him. I said, "Is your dad ever giving you any advice?" And he says, "Yeah, look at what I've done and do the opposite." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Which was I, it really was funny. But I mean, I can hear John. T- I don't know about. JD, the dad, I can hear him telling it. Well, that's a difficult thing maybe to hear from your father. Uh, you know, my, my dad says, and it's okay for me to say this because his father's been gone for like oh, 50, 52 years or so. Um, he thinks of what, when he thinks about what to do as a, as a parent, he thinks of what his father would have done and does the opposite. It's like the double opposite George, Matt, for parenting. That's what he's done. So any complaints you have for me, I guess you can complain you know, to my great to my grandfather, who I was named for and never met. Yeah, what you know, this is what I was mentoring a group at church, some fifteen, sixteen year olds for 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 a while, and told them one time, I said, you know, and some of them came from really difficult backgrounds, and I was like, and don't do what your dad did, but you can learn, you can learn, you can learn what not to do from your dad, just as well as what to do. And so it just comes down to decision-making and knowing what's right and recognizing that didn't work. That didn't work with for him with me. I can be different when it's my turn. Yep. None of the kids ask me for money. None of my kids are in jail, and all my kids know right from wrong. That's, that's, that's how we go in the parenting over here. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. I listened a little bit to Coach Richardson on uh, the the Hogs Illustrated uh, podcast that Chip yeah. Souza hosts, um, and uh, you know it sounded like I heard him talking about the Hall of Fame and the various halls of fame that he's in. I think it was he wearing. I think he was wearing a um, either I think an Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame t- uh, shirt or, or the Naismith. Naismith. It was the Naismith one? Okay, yeah, it was. Well, the if Naismith. you're going to wear one, if you're going to wear, if you're going to show the you know one Hall of Fame you're in, that that'd be the one, right? Well, the you know the latest one that he just went in was the. Junior College Hall of Fame, you know. Of course, they they won a couple of junior college championships, went undefeated, lost in the championship game in another year, and um, they just now put him in. And he's like, "Well, I guess they ran out of folks." <laughs> he's, he said, "He said, wait a minute, are you telling me I wasn't already in that Hall of Fame?" Yeah, like, when you run, when ran you for, out. yeah, when you forget which Hall of Fame you're in and you're not in, and legitimately you could be confused about it. Yeah, you've uh, you've had yourself quite a career. Yeah, he was fun. Yep, I was glad to see him. Talk to talk to him about Rose. 
And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, never a bad day when you're around Coach Richardson. Do you think Coach Richardson would have been successful in today's day and age as a college basketball coach? And, uh, uh, you know, the, the system that he runs, I think he that, that would have been something that would get some of the best players in the country again. It's just the it's the the freedom for players, you know, of NIL and the social media aspect of it he and all of that. that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he would have survived? You think he would have uh, been successful? in Oh, I mean, the great ones, I think, figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's like you want to win, you know, figure it out. But I think he'd outcoach you. I mean, I, I think he would. I mean, I think that players like to play for him. Matt played. Matt's one of his guys. And But it's – he said the, <laughs> what you have to do now, what he would do – is look around and see who had good players and then uh, go uh, put him a little chair right outside their gym. And when the players walked out, it's like, hey, you want to play for me? <laughs> Nolan's a player's coach, man. You, you, He'll coach you up, but he, he knew how to kick you in the butt and he knew how to come and put his arm around you. He, 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 had, it, he had that part figured out. You wanted yeah. to play for him, man. You didn't want to let Coach Richardson down. Yeah, I – I was talking a few weeks ago to Jim Washburn. I wrote a Where Are They Now on Jim Washburn, who's a football coach at Arkansas, defensive line coach before Matt, back in uh, Danny Ford's days. And Nolan was coaching, and, and uh, he looked it back behind him. He was coaching a practice, and there was Nolan watching his practice, watching the way he coached defensive linemen. And he's like, hey, coach, can I come by and watch one of your practices? He says, come on. And said he went out there. And said he was running a drill where, you know, had basically all 15 guys on the floor and then just just chunked a ball out there and said, go get it and see who would go get the ball. And he said it was the best fumble drill that you'd ever seen. You know, like he said, he said, so we started using that in football practice. <laughs> Did y'all ever do the that drill, Matt, where he just threw the ball out there and so to go get it? They, they definitely did some drills like that. Uh, the one thing <laughs> I, I love, Clay, which because I, when I got over there, you know, they had done their preseason stuff, so they're kind of in game form. And, oh, yeah. And gotcha. I, I'd get over there uh, with no tr- Coach Richardson, and he would do, we'd do all of our, our warming up and our drills and our shooting and stuff. And then, like you said, there were 15 players. You would divide up into teams of five, and then you would just go get it. It would be this team versus that team for like five straight minutes. Then you the one team would flip their jerseys over, would go sit down, then one team would just rotate over. You'd do that for an hour. And then you so after you did that, any type of game situation was easy because you're just wore out, just, just going and getting it back and forth, back and forth. And that, that 40 it. minutes of hell – it made the games easy because you're getting a timeout every four minutes in, in the in the real game. That's like playground stuff. That's like 60 minutes of consecutive, I got next. I that, right? That. Let's go. Let's go get it. And then he had stopped, like like Clay said, if you do something stupid or boneheaded and or do whatever, then he'd stop and have his coaching moment. Uh, but he was really big on how you practice, and you would see certain players getting more playing time in certain weeks because they were having a good week of practice that week. Yeah, he. What I saw him in, his, you know, his practices were were open at Tulsa, and open at Arkansas. And I, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I, you know, there were coaches that came in trying to learn his system. And he goes, "You're going to learn it." And he goes, "Well, what? What do you mean?" He says, "I'm coaching decision making." You know, he would stop and say, well, "You know, you do this in that situation," and he just keeps doing it, keeps doing it, keeps doing it, until his players play the way he's thinking as far as decisions and it's really complex but it's really simple because it once once it gels it's like the read option clay it's it's you read and react whenever they do this then that means they're wrong and you do this and if they do it this way then you do it's just it's the same it's the same concept yeah and then he said his defensive players you know when they're running that scramble it's all about fixing fixing and he says i needed about two fixers and those are guys they recognize when something's getting a little bit out of position you know the double teams and you know maybe somebody goes in triple teams and that can happen he didn't care but the other guys have got to fix what's what's left and those were the really good teams that had you know a Corey beck and a dwight stewart that could fix things recognize and, and what are those guys they're basketball players. But I love the idea that you're not coaching. <clears throat> what are you coaching? You're coaching. You're not coaching plays. No. You're not coaching scheme. 
um, you know, your coaching effort. That's one thing. If you're going to play for Nolan and, and from us, there's going to be there's going to be effort. It's going to be 100 percent. But it's decision making. What you're teaching are are instincts. And, and really, the repetition is what brings those instincts along in practice. And then just like you're talking about, Matt, I mean, you can make all of those decisions in a five minute drill in which you're supposed to go balls to the wall and then get a chance to sit a little bit and, and get used to the fatigue and needing to feel that uh, that flow, you know, that instinct at that same time. And, and running that full court press, you have to do that. You have to read and react and be instinctual. And that's what Nolan was so good at uh, causing turnovers. And, and you see Coach Must do it sometimes, Clay. I'll see him, uh, and I guess all the coaches do it, but you'll see Coach Must when there's about three minutes to go. You see a timeout. He'll trap after that first pass was when they're coming out of a time, timeout and get a turnover or something. Coach Richardson would do the same thing. I'll never forget. It was in, uh, in between the two games in Seattle at the 95 Final Four. And I was... Uh, I had done some work, and I was all by myself, and I was going to walk two or three blocks in downtown Seattle and, and give me some, some seafood, you know, just off right off the, the wharf kind of area. And all at once, somebody's tapping me on my shoulder. It was Doc Sadler. And Doc was working with Bill Frieder, I think, at Arizona State. And they said, we're going to go get, get a bite to eat. We spent four hours talking, and they had been – to Fayetteville to spend time with Nolan because they wanted to do some of the things that they're doing. And Nolan talked to him, you know, at length and explained, you know, their system. And they both looked at each other and it's like, well, we can't coach that. It's not, you know, there's no plays. There's not, I mean, it is all just reactionary. And we've got to be able to be in control and, and, you know, signal one and the guys run a play or signal two and the guy. He's he's not doing that, and we don't really believe him. We don't believe that's the way he's coaching, and but that that was it. He coached decision making. Yeah, when you talk about well, a job, coach of a job is the job of a coach is to win games. Hey, it's Re- Nolan Richardson. It's Nolan Richardson court up there. Yeah, it is. Well, how do you win As games? It should be. How do you coach players up? You know. You, you coach their mind, you know. You're coaching their mind, and and I, I see the same thing from the coaches that Bingo. I work with. You got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. This album by Dire Straits is one of the more underrated, great albums of the 80s. And did you realize that that was the real invention of the very mild Ric Flair woo? Is, is, the, is that song right there? You didn't even realize it. I learned something. See, I'm here to teach, C-Unit. I Clay, by the way, um, Christian is C-Unit, okay? It's not Big C. Uh, you can call him Christian if you want, but C-Unit, he'll answer to that any, any time of the day. Just mark it down. I call him vitamin C. <laughs> C, C money. You know, that's, prob- that's probably the better name out of all of them. Vitamin C right there. There we go. Oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know if you help if you help me stay healthy though. Maybe you do. You do because you know you're doing a great job every it's every like day. sunshine, man. Eight seven seven. That's vitamin D. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three is our McClarty. It's like it. Oh, it's like sunshine. That's right. It's our McClarty Daniel hotline. Wanted to give you guys some of the stats during this six game losing streak that just kind of 
uh, blow you away a little bit. I, I figured out a couple of days ago you got a 36-point differential in the streak. That's a difference of six points per game. Arkansas is being outgained by 69 yards per game. They have only three fewer first downs than the opponent during the six-game losing streak. Opponents converting third down by only 3% better than Arkansas. Six more Razorback penalties, an average of about 10 yards per game. They're minus three in turnovers. You know, they're, pl- they're in the plus territory for the season, but most of the turnovers that the defense generated came in the first two games, minus three during the streak. Now, here are the major differences, statistically at least. And, Matt, this gets to the heart of where the big plays. Opponents have 28 plays of 20 yards or more. Hogs have 21. That's a difference of seven 20-yard plays. Opponents have generated 28 sacks of K.J. Jefferson. Arkansas has sacked the opponent 13 times, so a differential of 15 sacks. And first down yardage is a huge difference between Arkansas and their opponents during this streak. Opponents are generating seven yards on average on first down, almost three yards better than the Razorbacks, 4.2 is their, uh, is their average on first down. And one interesting aspect of these last six games, Clay, is that the opponents, they're gaining 53% of their total yardage on first down. So, I mean, that is, that's been where most of the big plays have come. So you got all these close losses and Arkansas is just a little bit behind some of the, uh, in some of the statistical categories, and then you get to sacks, 20-yard plays, first down yardage, and it's a golf. Yeah, Nolan uh, addressed football during the first part of his speech. He said, I know you all watching football. He says, I watch it too. Do you know he was a junior high head football coach? I did not know that, but, I mean, it would make sense. Yep, he said he went for it on every fourth down. Did he use the term analytics then? Probably not. No, he said he went for it on every fourth down. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how he did it. Threw the jump pass to the tight end a lot. Um, and he says that they're one big play away in every game. That's the only difference. He says they need one big play a game. One. One more. I think he's probably right. I mean, I think yeah, that's kind of what you're just saying. They're that close. You'd think you'd get lucky and get get one by now, but that's it. You're you're a playmaker or two. You're you you know you're everybody's a Darren McFadden, but you know DeCorey Birmingham, Cedric Cobbs, Richard Smith, Joe Adams. You know you go down the list of and it, the the Arkansas Razorbacks are littered with with great playmakers, and there's just not your our best playmaker was a tight end that's a freshman, and he's a, he's going to be good. And our best playmaker was Rocket Sanders, and he can't play. So we've kind of been searching for who's going to be our playmaker, and we we haven't found one. Yeah, the way I when I watch, and you need to be there in person to see this. So the TV doesn't do it justice because they're too tight. The the camera is too too tight. You. You can see the offensive backfield, and you can see five yards into the defense. You cannot see the safeties. So in road games, I was frustrated. But when I've watched and you see the full field vision, which you do if you're in the stands or in the press box, everybody is playing their safeties really deep. We're not going to let you throw it deep because we don't think you can drive the ball on us. Mississippi State had four safeties at times. They'd play those yeah. corners back like you're in a quarters look. They'd have those corners eight yards back across. and then have two safeties back. All you had you had four guys that would be twelve yards deep, and and we're throwing we're trying to throw throw the ball, and you got to run it against that. Third, third and ten, they put sometimes five safeties. Yeah, you'd see that guy across. in the middle. It was like, what are you doing? Yeah, they're all. Eight, they're all I think like 12 KJ, yards deep, and then they might throw one way back there. One of KJ's interceptions was that look, and you're like, why are you yeah. throwing it? There's no, nothing there. nothing Can't should make there. you go there, right? Yeah. You know, Sam Pittman said the other day about, um, I think he was referring to the energy by the offense. He said, what are we doing? I think he might have also, and he didn't say it, but he might have also been referring to the play calling in that sense. What are we doing? Because that's exactly the way you put it right there. What are we doing? Yeah. I... You know, they, they really did change things up at halftime. And one of the, you know, I look, I focus on the center, and then I kind of see the guards 
and then peripheral you see the tackles. But that's that's where I'm watching. I, I, you know, I'll look at alignment, but then I focus in on it. And what I noticed almost immediately, and then when you saw Mississippi State go out there, you could see the contrast. Arkansas in the second half lined up with their no splits. Their, their linemen were toe-to-toe. They had brought it in tight. They were not going to let anybody, you know, get any penetration through the gaps, and they ran straight ahead. And they were successful uh, to start drives in the third quarter. And they'd make a first down or two, and then all would start throwing it. And I know that really frustrated Sam. And so I, I watched Sam, and he got completely away from everybody else, say – the balls at the Mississippi State 35 or 40. He was at the Arkansas 30. There wasn't anybody within 20 yards, which told me he did not want anybody to hear what he was saying directly to his offensive coordinator. Hmm. And he was telling him, run that play again, run that play again, and Dan didn't do it. And I was not surprised when Dan was fired the next day based on what I saw in the third quarter. Interesting. Well, there's only a select few people that would be in on those that would be able to hear any of that. And, but he didn't, want, he didn't want anybody else to hear what he was saying through the headsets. Um, so, I mean, trying to overrule him, I think. Um, but he did not get what he wanted from practices to the games. And, you know, that's, you know, that's why you fire him. Let's take a call from Charlie on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Charlie, take us into the break. What's going on? I'm going to try my best. You know, I think it comes down to, Clay, you said it exactly, the, the, the inability to consistently run the football all season long and teams, at the end of the day, not fearing us, man. No I mean, fear. No not fear. Bring, no fear whatsoever. I mean, what's the point? If they don't feel like that you can consistently – drive on you they're going to play back farther right and aren't that aren't that kind of how defense has been but don't this team can't number one they're either going to commit a penalty or they're going to get a negative play and bust an assignment or whatever and i think that was a lot of you know what it what it boiled down to and not sticking with what was working in each particular game and i think you pointed out that third quarter the other day they did start to have some success running the football and uh, it did frustrate me as a fan. I'm sitting there like, just keep doing it. Make them bring the safety down. Yeah. And I, and it, it was frustrating. But, you know, I think Kenny will, you know, you, I'm excited you, for him and this opportunity. And uh, I'm ready for him to get it. And we'll see what happens. Y'all have a good one. Tuna, you can call the same play twice in a row. You can call it three times in a row. You no, can call, you can't. Come just on. Keep call, just keep calling it. How do you totally keep an stop opponent it. on their toes if you're just calling the same don't, play? Don't what save did, it. What did, Alabama, save what did Alabama do on those three runs uh, when, when they ran, ran for like 75 yards? They ran the, the same play, but they ran it to the other side, but then they you ran it back. The to, yeah, yeah, then they ran it back. So they ran three straight times. They ran, They ran. All they did was change the side of the field oh, one time. Variety is the spice of life. Don't tell them you got to run the same play just because you got 10 yards on it every time you ran it pshaw <laughs> sarcastic enough sarcasm dripping from his voice <laughs> you're gonna have to go wash my mouth out after all that sarcasm. if they don't hit that fastball throw it again right that's right 877-377-6963 to get with us on the mcclarty daniel hotline yeah and and you're right clay it is it's like it's one big play per game when the opponents have made seven more 20-yard plays than arkansas over a six-game losing streak that's about one per game Sacks are a big difference. That's Nolan. That in me. I'll you know, give him that analysis. I think Nolan's right about it too. I think Nolan's right about that. You got to do better on first. He's down usually as well. right. Well, there's a lot, a lot you can do better offensively, but I think those are those are a couple of the things that maybe it's like you try to address it, but I think what Matt's point is is more about the Jimmys and the Joes. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. 
passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Info. Claire was earlier talking as this World Series starts uh, tomorrow. There are eight more Rangers making more money than the most expensive Diamondback player. Uh, Keto Marte makes $11.6 million. And virtually almost the entire pitching staff for the Rangers makes not just more than that, but a lot more than that. Um, this is this is the kind of thing that's there's a million different ways like apparently to make it to the World Series as long as you're one of the six teams that makes it in. You know, I was having a conversation today with a friend of mine. You know him too. He's RJ. Uh, uh, Future. Yeah. Yeah. RJ Hawk. Senator, right. Congressman, whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's politician. Right. Yeah. The guy who hates clowns. The guy that I have so much fun with once a year when I go to Spirit House. Knows how to eat cereal. Yes. We'll not drink the cereal milk either, but he's also today's his birthday and he's a Rangers fan and he is getting. Uh, I mean, they just like, talk about a gift. I mean, he's getting flown there in a private jet, and he got he's, he's going to game two. Um, but I told him, like, we're, we're talking about that these are the five and the six seed in the playoffs. And then it, it hit me. I've never used the term seed in professional baseball before, unless I'm talking about growing grass for a field. Never use the word seed. That's a, that's a college basketball term for postseason. That's a college baseball term for postseason. That's an NFL postseason term. We never used the word seed for the major league postseason until I think this year. And that just goes to show um, the, the playoffs now, are, they're kind of just like almost every other league. Um, well, not every other league because the NBA, NHL, they don't do a bye. NFL does the buy-in. Sometimes it, it helps and sometimes it hurts. NBA just changed it now where they're getting four more teams. You know, they're playing a play-in yeah. game with other teams. It's ridiculous. Like, I think something like 65% of the league makes the playoffs. It's still relatively low in baseball, right? It's not It's not nowhere near 65% of the league's making the playoffs in baseball. No, it's 12 of, what is it, 32? Yeah. 32 that make it? Yeah. So that's nowhere near what it was before. But it's such a different postseason, Clay, because we never had a six seed make it before, and there there you go. They're in it, and who knows? Arizona can probably win the thing, too. We, we call them divisional champs or wild cards? Um, they well, these were like you had to win the pennant. Like no, I mean, that was, that's what we yeah, call them. Yeah, that's what we call we them now. We don't call them seeds. Yeah. We just, right. They're either divisional champs or pennant champs, yeah. Or, or we say they've won home – field for the whole you know we've got the number one seed on in one side and number one seed on the other of course they're gone you know it's the or we say they've got the best record in baseball which is what we said about the braves and they're gone and they're gone that's right but it's it, it just it just hit me it's just I, I threw the word seed into a baseball conversation and it was not may or june which is usually Are, when i would say that spitting seeds yeah throwing that's a, seeds yeah, spitting yeah. Seeds. a seed is what ryan stanick throws the seed is 98 miles an hour. That's a seed. Yeah. It's not supposed to be the last team that gets in where they're seated because nobody is really seated in a baseball ter- in, uh, in the post. Chapman season. throws a seat. Pinto's on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Good afternoon, Pinto. What's new? Uh, not much. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to Kenny Guyton's debut and his uh, tryout. Young man's got a great opportunity. But here's what I do have a question about. Okay. He played at Ohio. He played at Ohio State, Big Ten school. Dan Enos. I could say that you know we sort of attempted to run a Big Ten type offense. Uh, you think Kenny Guyton's got enough influence from Kimball Brow's offense to switch it up a little? 
Absolutely. Now, I know we can't switch it up a lot. Oh, no doubt. He, he's no a doubt. he's a browse protege without I, just, question. Just Houston because he in played here. at Ohio State doesn't mean he's bringing you know some semblance of a Big Ten offense, three yards and a cloud of dust and all of that. Nor do I think that those were the kind of teams he played on. But yeah, I mean, you're Clay. I mean, he he coached with he coached with Bryles last year here at Arkansas. He coached with him at Houston. Uh, from from all he I was know, handpicked by by Bryles to come here and coach his wide receivers. Yep. Yeah, so it, it it would make sense to me that you see, look, I mean, you're not going to see the Kendall Browse offense, but maybe there are bits and pieces of it, or at least he has some of those tendencies. More more crossers, you know, more more man beaters, run the ball a little bit more on the outside. I mean, there's there's some things you can do. You gotta you gotta identify who do you want, yeah who do you want to be your 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 guys. You know, who are these guys that are are, are they the same unit of guys? Is Satania going to play more? Uh, are you going to get him the ball quicker? You know, is AJ Green going to get play a little more? You, know, we have no idea. They get the look that they like with defense. Then they're going to run tempo. They're going to they're going to force that defense to keep that look out there. Um, and that that's uh, I think that's that's what the Browse offense was, and I think that's what what Kenny will do. I'd have to go. I want to now. See, I just I love looking through all of these like stat broadcast pages and figuring out what the team does on first down and this down and everything. They're they're really not doing well in first down this year. Um, I need to I need to go back and see no more quarterback how they draws first down yeah. under Bryles because if you want to run tempo, you can't run tempo when you're hitting second and eight. Run and draw on first down. I mean, I, I bet you uh, over 17% of the time our run on a first and 10 has been a draw play. It's like, what, what, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, what it's you like have some to be, type of delay, you know? Yeah, what you have to be really careful of when you say this is what we do on first down and we're running this, we're, we're throwing more, we're running more. If you're running RPO, then you didn't call a run or a pass. The defense called it. Right. I mean, they, they, they put you in a situation – that that's the best play, and I think you have to be really careful. It's when you say uh, the play caller called this. The play caller gave him a run pass option, and the quarterback saw it. And it's a you know it's a post snap immediate read, and it's got to happen really fast. And the quarterback gets up there. And you want to run that play before they can stem and move. You like what you see. Boom, let's go. And a lot of times it could keep them in a base defense, which makes your read exactly, a, a, lot, a lot clearer when, when you're running that tempo and they're not able, able to substitute. You get them in your 11 person, whatever personnel you're in. Chris from Van Buren, you're up on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Hey, Chris, how are you? Uh, I do all right. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just had a question, and, and if this has been talked about or answered, um, I do apologize. I've been kind of out of the loop for a while. I'm not sure. I know Rocket Sanders has been out for a while, and they've been trying to, they've kind of like been, you know, up and down on if we'll play, if we'll not. Um, has there been any thought with the new offense coordinator and everything that they are planning to go ahead and just sit in the rest of the season and not even try and push them to get in games and maybe he'll be ready for next season? Or are they still attempting to possibly um, have him play some games if he's ready? I mean, I just figured if he if he's not, it's better just sit in the rest of the season. That way he'll be uh, 100% hopefully next next season. And I'll get off and let you guys answer. Thanks. All right, Chris. You want to take that, Clay? Yeah, my thought is that the coaches are not making this decision that Rocket is. And if Rocket wants to play, they'll put him out there. I mean, it, without question, these – and I think Sam really spoke on this Monday without really mentioning Rocket. Um, they, they're not – they want to salvage whatever they can of this season. And, uh, you know, you're always fighting for your job. You're fighting for a perception of what everybody thinks of this head coach. And – he 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 really defined it real well. You got eighty-five people, and I, I'm making up that number. It may be close, it may be over, it may be under. You got eighty-five people in that building. And if the head coach changes, about seventy-five of them are gone. And he said, "I'm fighting for the building." I mean, it's like, hey, he's got his buyout, yeah, but he he, but all of his people that he's brought here. Their lives are turned upside down. Ninety percent of those people do not have long-term contracts. Some of them have month to month. 
they're just they're just getting a paycheck at the end of the month, and if they change coaches in December, you know that seventy five percent of those people they're all gone, and so back to the original question, if Rocket says I'm ready, he's gonna play. Well, they might need him. I mean, no, they do need him. They need. They, 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 yeah, I think he's all hands I, on deck. At one point, I thought. At one point, I thought that that either Green or Dubinion might have what it takes to be a number one running back. Um, but I, I think I think it's it's pretty obvious. You know, Rocket is the best running back on this team. Yeah, and they're they're going to get beat up. I mean, they may need uh, Isaiah Ogstavi before it's over, and I think he's getting closer. I watch him. He's into the games. He's. I think that, uh, you know, that Jimmy Smith is. He's he's ready for him to play, and and he's a terrific prospect. You might need him before it's over. He can be a lead back in the SEC. Clay, we got a text from Clay in Rogers. He asked about are the Browns moving upstream for the spot? Oh, I thought you were talking about Deshaun Watson and everything there, Clay. We're talking, talking about, about fish. fish instead. Are they moving? Yeah, upstream? they probably are. I mean, I think they are. This is the time of year where they should be. But it's like you know, can you go out there and catch them when they're moving like that? Probably not. You know, I mean, I um, I had a really good report of somebody that had a good day on the white this week did not catch a single brown. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, Clay, if you're looking for a trophy brown on that mighty White River anytime soon, you, you know what you got to have in that tackle box. Got to have the Smithwick original suspending rattling rope. <laughs> I knew you were going there. You probably have more than one of them in that tackle box. Heck, how many tackle boxes do you have? More than Carter's got pills. <laughs> Wish I didn't have to talk after that. That would be a moment to just uh, end the segment. That's right. That's a mic drop moment. Guys, it is official. Dusty Baker has announced his retirement as manager. 26 seasons. He says uh, he's not uh, he's not going away. He's just ending his managerial career. So I don't, I don't know exactly what that means, but I think after all those years, tw- what is it, 26 years as a manager? I think he played in the big leagues for about 20 years. That's 46 years in the game, maybe more than that, because uh, he was a coach before he was a manager. It's tough to just go away, you know. I mean, you're you're used to being at the ballpark, um, and the routine of the off season and the routine of going to spring training every February. So I could I could imagine for Dusty, like this is one of those guys that uh, Major League Baseball needs to hire for some sort of position that I don't know if there's any real responsibilities other than just being Dusty Baker, like Joe Torre. Well, Joe Torrey had a real... I know he did. I guess but, he had a real job, which was... Yeah, but, but give him a real... You can give him a real job. Or the Astros can say, we really need you to come to spring training, and uh, we need you to we need you to come sit in the, the boxes where the highest rollers are, and we need to get you to do a little bit of that. Do they call those guys ambassadors? Yeah. Uh, that's exactly right, and they still need that, you know, because the the Astros, I think, are probably the most disliked franchise in the game outside of uh, their city. The Yankees like... would run a close second, but then the Yankees have fans coast to coast more so than the Astros do. But you can't dislike Dusty Baker. Um, no, fuck like that. The Cardinals, like, how long did Stan Musial was he an ambassador? How long was Ozzie Smith? Maybe still. Maybe Ozzie might still I think be those, an ambassador. Yeah, those guys take it to the grave. You know they. Yeah. And probably get buried in that red in that red sports coat too, because you know, yeah, every time they go to Cardinals games, they've got the red sports coat on. Yeah, and just like the hot stove league, we got to bring up, we got to bring Dusty in for a little bit of talking. What sports coat would Dusty wear? I mean, you, Astros have to have a sports coat, Matt, that would be uglier than the twenty first. Orange. The old. Uh, I think a Dusty Baker. I think of a Cincinnati Red. That's 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 what him him being the the manager, but he's been all over the place. That's what I, that's what you that's what you mean. What team would you as, uh, associate Dusty Baker with? Well, as it's long not as the Astros. I don't associate him with the Astros. I know I he won a World Series there, but that's not what I. His longest tenure was with um, with the Giants. Yeah, and he played for the Giants briefly. Never managed the Dodgers. That's where he spent most of his career. Never managed the Braves. That's where he spent a good chunk of his career. But when you win the World Series with one team, I mean, I guess that's the one. You'd go into the Hall of Fame as, because he is a Hall of Fame manager. Is he not in the Hall of Fame? No. Well, no, he's wow. still playing. I mean, he's still working. Yeah. I don't know no, if they, it's different. Is it different for managers than it is for players? You know, you have to retire. You have to be retired five, five years. Five years. 
to be considered for the Hall of Fame as a player, I don't think that's the same for managers because you've already been retired from playing for five years. That's the, that's the thing they're really making you wait for. Don't Put him know. in now. Put him in now. You got a chance to sit with him at, at uh, didn't you sit next to him or sit with him at an uh, Arkansas well, uh, regional this is the when story. Kyle, his son was playing second base? Yeah, this is his story. I mean, first of all, Gerald Hannes and I grew up together. We were rivals in basketball, but teammates in baseball. We played on the same Legion team. He, you know, consider I've got a feature on Dusty that's in the current Hogs Illustrated. It should be online here pretty soon. In, um, but yeah, I mean, I so the but the first brush I had with with Dusty was. Uh, you know, there was really brief conversation, but I spoke to uh, the University of Arkansas Alumni Association meeting or club in Chicago, and um, you know, a good friend invited me. He was an executive with British Petroleum BP, and invited me to go to uh, a Cups game, and he was the manager of the Cups, and. We got her, you know, we walked from his house. He lived in Wrigleyville. Walked from his third story flat and about four blocks, and we walk right in the stadium. We start walking down the steps, walking down the steps, and the next thing I know, we're front row, right behind the on deck circle, and then we start walking down the aisle, and our, our two seats are against the dugout. The first step of the dugout was next to where I was sitting. Well, that's where Dusty stands during the game with his toothpick. And I'm there's no screen at that point. This has been 25 years ago. You know, there was a screen straight behind home plate, but nothing on the sides. And it was kind of intimidating because home plate at Wrigley Field is really close to the backstop. I mean, it you're you're 20 feet away from home plate sitting in that seat. And they've got attendants that bring you beer or anything you want. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I need to be drinking any beer. I need to stay. And I'm talking to my buddy. I think I need to stay sober in case, you know, a left-handed hitter fouls one off right at me, you know, defend my, you know, myself. And uh, it, Dusty just leaned over a foot away from us, and he says, hey, man, go ahead and get the beer. You got no chance of defending yourself anyway. <laughs> True. So flash forward, you know, 15, 20 years later, he's in bomb to watch his son. I think his son played for Grambling. Is that, would that be no, right? No, it was Cal. It was Cal. It was Cal. Yeah, you're right. And so he's there um, in the stands, and Dusty, I mean, Dusty's out there all by himself, and here comes Gerald, and Gerald sends me a text, come on down here. Let's just hang out with Dusty. And, of course, he named his son Dusty. Gerald, Gerald and Dusty were roommates with the Dodgers. And so I, I I start to tell this story, and Dusty looks over and he says, I told you to drink the beer, didn't I? <laughs> he remembered. He yeah. probably used that line on a few others. Probably did. Probably it's a did. line that works. If it works, you nice use it a guy. few times. Nice guy. Really a nice guy. But he's also the last of a kind. You know, there are no other there are no other managers that I know of that played in the 70s. I'll check on Bochi here because... You know, he, he's still an old-school kind of a manager, and I know he played. So I know he got into the big leagues in 78, so Bochy would be the last to play in um, to play in the 70s and still be managing. Uh, you know, um, so, uh, I think the current players make so much money that when they're at the end of their playing career, they don't want to get into being a man. They don't need that money. You know, I just don't think that that – I think it's uh, the way it's going to go – from now on is, you know, the guys that are minor league managers are going to move up, and they're not going to tap these guys to, you know, be a third-base coach right after he's done playing and then become a manager. They're just too, they make too much money to, to, to do that grind anymore. Well, like Lavallo is that kind of – I think Tori Lavallo is that kind of player. You know, he, he had himself a major league career. He, he, got, he was in parts of eight years in the major leagues. He, he, that means he probably made a little bit of money – you know, a little, a little bit. bit of good money, but not the not the really good money. I mean, not like the you know, not like say James McCann's making now. Yeah, that's right. J- James McCann's a backup, and he's making eleven million. I mean, I've always thought he'd be a great major league manager, but is does he going to want to do that? You know, in ten years, I don't think so. Well, backup catchers do make really good uh, 
manager. Yeah, but does he need it? I mean, it's like, hey, let's go, let's go spend time with my twins. It'd be interesting to, to get his opinions on on what he would like to do moving forward too, because he can connect with a lot of different people. I mean, he's just uh, he's terrific, um, and. Yes, at that point it's like, well, do a, you, you got you got kids, you got a family, you know, maybe you want to you want to go that route because it's tough to have young kids and be a major league manager, all that travel that goes into it, and, and being away from home, and just the idea that you're probably going to live somewhere that your family doesn't room. live. I do love the idea, like this has got to be the best if you, and I love that this is what Tito Francona did in Cleveland. You live three blocks away from the ballpark downtown. It's not like Dusty is going out to the to the Cubby Bear or anything after the game. I would imagine, but you walk right by it after the game, and it's like, hey, there's Dusty. Hey, great game, Dusty. I just, I love the neighborhood feeling about that. And you got some Thursday night football tonight with the three and three Bucks at the four and three Bills. Just got to find Prime Video and stick it on the TV. You found your Prime Video f- yet, Matt? I forget to return videotapes from time to time. But uh, do not, you rewind not, them not, when not, you take them back? Remember that the kids these days don't understand that. That's an extra dollar if you don't rewind them. Heck yeah, you, you rewinded it. That's yeah. one of those machines that. Um, do you ever have people actually had a rewinding machine in their house outside of the VCR, which would just do it for you? But the rewinding machine did it twice the speed. Well, it also saved wear and tear on your VCR. Which is a major thing. It is. It is, yeah. yeah. Nobody ever sat there watching a movie just rewinding 20 seconds and, and then watching the next 20 seconds and so on and so forth. Oh. Well, that would be... Uh, would be I, I know how to get to my Prime Video. It's how I watch some movies. It's how I watch... Yeah, I don't have it. I don't have it. I got a YouTube TV. That's the only thing I have that uh, it's... Because uh, they have just about every Arkansas Razorback game. That's the reason I got it. That's why I got it. SEC Plus, they don't have that. So if they're playing Purdue in an exhibition game, I'll just have to listen to you guys talk about it. When, when were you born, Matt? 83. 83. So that's about when VCRs came out. Oh, we had you. We Clay, we had them. You, you know, you had to get the tapes. Pops being a yep. coach, and you had the dual VCR where you had to record a tape for somebody else and do all sorts of things. Well, remember yeah. back then there was there was a technology war. There was Beta versus VHS. Correct. We didn't know which one was going to win. There's still a couple. I've seen a couple Betamaxes out there every once in a while. It's like wow. Go ahead and throw your your uh, your brand new copy of ET in that Betamax. Let's watch it. Come on, let's have some tang. So I'm going to take you back to like 1984, 85. Our daughters are going to a private school in in, uh, in Tulsa where my wife taught. Everybody had VCR except us. We couldn't afford it. And they were expensive. I mean, in, in our way of, of thinking, you know, a sports writer and a school teacher, we just, I'm sorry, girls, we just not, we don't have that. You know, we just watch regular TV and watch the three channels. That's all we had. And I played in the grand opening of Paige Belcher Golf Course, and I won closest to a hole in one of VCR. Ah, see, every once in a while, every once in a while, randomness smiles down upon it those does. who need it. I brought that home, and hey, you thought I could? I had won a car. Thought, you thought you made the hole in one? Yeah. No, I mean, I well, I hit it pretty. I hit it about six inches, and. Um, but I was, and I actually won closest to a hole on another hole too. In one, uh, a tube that you pull behind a boat, and I gave that to the Tulsa boys home because I, I didn't, I didn't have a boat. Um, but it was, that was pretty cool to bring that VCR, and, and you know our girls are about four and seven. What was the first VHS I watched? Can't remember. Can't that. remember the first one. Can't remember. Yeah. I don't know what was the movie back then. But. I remember the VHS tapes that I wore out in my parents' collection. Um, it would have been the first. It would have been Carlin and Carnegie Hall that they recorded on HBO. Ooh. It was on the very same um, uh, cassette tape or VHS tape that the original Star Wars was also recorded off of HBO. So if I, I love Star Wars and I love George Carlin, I probably had that VHS tape in more than anything else, or at least any of the others that I'm willing to admit at this very moment. Uh, Robin Williams comedy, and uh, and then back then it was okay to watch Bill Cosby, so I did watch that on on VHS too. And of course, you could record off the TV, which you had to teach your parents how to do it. You remember? <laughs> did you remember? 
Those who could program a VCR. Complex. That was the apex of, of technological advancement and knowledge, was the ability to program a VCR, which now your YouTube TV and all of these other online recorders just do it for you. Yeah, I want every SEC game. I don't just want the Razorback games. I want every single SEC game. Push a button, boom, you get it. And you don't even have anything to listen to these CDs any longer or watch any of these VHS tapes. Because how many of us now still have, it's not like I would go back and watch it. I've been divorced seven years. But wedding album, wedding video, all on VHS. Uh, some of my greatest moments in high school up on stage, all on VHS. Got no way to watch them whatsoever. And I'm not going to spend the There's money to go be get a way to transfer do that, though. over either. Yeah. Not going to do it. Get a digital. Yeah. But it's like, we, you, we, um, our guy, that, uh, who was it? Our guy that we met at the... Um, at the Rogers um, Armor Bank opening the other day. Uh, I, oh, there's his business card. Yeah, Randy, Randy Stratton, who told me he gave Dave Van Horn a job tending bar in a, um, in a roller rink back in the 80s and that he met Huey Lewis there and they became friends. That's a story I got to bring up with DVH. He also gave me, because he gave me a book of Levon Helm's biography, which I'll read, but then he also gave me uh, the Malibu sessions of the Kate Brothers band on CD and a Levon and the Hawks CD, which I'd love to listen to because it's got Robbie Robertson on it and Rick Danko, which are original members of the band along with Levon Helm. Um, but I don't have a CD player. I used to have one in the car. Bought a new car in June. They don't put the CD players in them anymore. So now all those CDs that I had on my, on my sun visors... There's no reason to have them there anymore. And, yeah, people did make fun of me when they got in that car and they saw there were CD visors still in there. I've got something I can't watch anymore because I don't have a DVD player. Um, someone mailed me from Houston, a guy, he worked at Mobile Oil, and he came up with a complete set, 30-something years, of the Southwest Conference highlights that Mobile Oil at Kern Tips narrate. It was the complete season. So uh, there was uh, a 46 game with Clyde Scott and Doak Walker were playing against each other. I watch. I've got that, but I don't have it. I don't have anything to watch it on anymore. They're DVDs. Greg in Farmington says you can, I guess, transfer it over somehow on Xbox. Yeah, yeah. The Xbox, I don't have an Xbox. plays a CD. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's in my son's room, and he didn't want to listen to Leave On and the Hawks, unfortunately. Yeah, and this is true, too, from the little card that Randy handed me that says it's a photo of, I guess it's a, it's a, it must have been a newspaper article in one of the papers up in northwest Arkansas back then. The Huey Lewis and the News Rock the New Rink. This was in 1983. Heck, that's right around the time that, uh, that sports came out, their legendary album. They had all those hits. And it says the rest of the piece of paper shows what does Coach Dave Van Horn and Huey Lewis have in common? They both played at the rink November 5th, 1983. DVH was the first bartender I ever hired when he was in grad school, and Huey Lewis and the News played the rink, and Dave ran the bar. Two greats coming together, one place. I don't think they roller skated together, but that would have been a moment in time we'd all like to see. I went out to the rink when You've I was been to the in rink? college, 1972. 1972, fall of 1972. Dudley Dawson just texted me. He said, he said Dave used to serve me beer at that rink and that Dudley was at that concert. Of course. See, I didn't think that the rink, I didn't think you could get alcohol there. I thought you brought your own and then you bought setups. Well, I don't know. I mean, I never went to a roller rink that I could. I mean, I had a date. That could do I that was 18 with. and the girl was a little older. And I, we got there, and she says, what'd you bring? I said, I didn't bring anything. She goes, man, glad you brought me. And she reached in her purse and brought out a pint of uh, Evan something whiskey. Classy. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> she, wouldn't, she, she, she wouldn't count on me. She brought her own. Oh, man. Very classy. Yeah. I, lo I love it because, I mean, that's right around the time that, that Huey Lewis and the News literally yeah. blew up worldwide because I think sports, sports came out album. about that yeah. time. 84, I think it came out, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. So this is just before they exploded. They would have still been riding, oh, uh, what was that? What was the hit from the song before? Do You Believe in Love? 
I it's hit to be square out. was on the sports album. That's right. This, yeah, they had a lot on that. Want one. a new drug? Yeah, yeah. This is it. If this is it, all of them, man. Yeah, you know I got that addiction to the Casey Kasem shows. If you're listening to a Casey Kasem American Top 40 in 1984, you're going to hear a couple of Huey Lewis and the News songs. Maybe Dave Van Horn is singing back up there. Maybe he was one of the news and we never even realized. <laughs> one of the news. <laughs> Dave Van Horn was one of the news. Yeah, I was covering a Drillers game in Tulsa and they were the the post game entertainment at a Huey Lewis concert, and the new the news was there too. It was released fifth, September fifteenth eighty three, but it reached number one on the Billboard June thirtieth nineteen eighty four. Wow. So that's yeah. two months after so the, the, yeah. the 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 um the vinyl album and the cassette tape and the eight track were released. Yeah, by by eighty five they weren't doing the rings. It was the number two album on the year <laughs> that year. Yeah, yeah, Billboard had it number two ranked. How about that? Yeah. And Huey Lewis, and then there's huge sports fans. Huge sports fans. I don't think, I know Huey Lewis is alive still. I don't think he tours any longer. I think he lost his hearing from being, you know, kind of the Pete Townshend thing. The news was too loud. Yeah, it's very loud news. Nobody ever confused Huey Lewis with one of the great singers, but I'll say this. His voice, I would have loved to have a voice just like that. Well, he could rock. Yeah, always sounded like he was singing hard, like he meant what he was singing. And, um... I, I did see like a couple Tom of the Pitt. bars that they yeah. used to play in in San Francisco where they came up. One called the uh, the bus stop, which was uh, which was really a lot of fun. Couldn't imagine what that would have been like. I would have liked to go to the rink. Is there? There's still a rolling rink. There's still out right? there. It's there's an, an event Daylight center Stadium. of some type. It's an event center of some type. It's out there on Weddington. And I can still. I mean, I take the kids to the um, the Arkansas Stadium uh, in Little Rock every once in a while. It's also an ice rink. And they actually redid the floor, thank goodness, because they had one aspect. It was like a parquet floor, Matt. It was like, oh, my, like the Boston Garden. Oh, but it just like the Boston Garden was a dump before they redid the floor and everything at the stadium. That was, that was kind Did of they have a disco thing. ball? Uh, yeah. You they can't have, have a roller rink without a disco ball. No, you got to have one. For some reason, every time I think of a roller rink, I think of the song Let's Hear It for the Boy by Denise Williams. It tells you the age I was when I was going to roller rinks. I would have been like circa age eight, age nine, fresh off watching Footloose. That's exactly right. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.